Hey, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy folks. You are with uh, Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. God's grace and peace be unto you. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I just uh, pray these podcast episodes have been a blessing to your soul, to your family, uh, and to your faith. Praise be to God for modern technology that we're able to do this so God's word can spread far and wide. Bless his holy name. And so today, brothers and sisters, I was thinking about, you know, how to fight the battle the Lord's way. Most of you know, uh, especially if you have been with us through OSA, uh, we highlight a lot uh, the battle, the battle from within and the battle from without. Uh, we kind of highlight, you know, the battle scriptures throughout the Old and New Testament. And of course, when you discuss the battle, you cannot ignore uh, suffering, right? And uh, we know that in the scriptures, we suffer for two major reasons. We, we suffer as a consequence of our sin when we do wrong, right? And then we also suffer uh, when we do right for being a Christian in a hostile, dark world, world, right? As we're spreading the gospel of the kingdom, right? There are many adversaries. Um, you know, the Lord called us to disciple the nations, right? To baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and to make sure they keep the commandments of God, right? And so the nations do not receive that anon with joy, right? There's pushback, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, attacks, there's, there's persecution, you know, there's trial, there's tribulation, right? Uh, and that is part of what it means to love God and love our neighbor as ourself and spreading the gospel of the kingdom. So we know we're involved in this great battle you know, for the souls of men, the lives of children, and the future of this planet. And so I, I wanted to kind of share, like, how the Lord himself dealt with that reality. And we, we find in First Peter chapter 2, um, this, uh, this relationship between following the Lord, following in his footsteps, the battle that rages and the suffering that comes with it. Well, how did our Lord handle all these issues? And, and what footsteps did he leave for us to follow? This is key if we're going to be successful in serving the Lord and overcoming in this battle. And in bringing up this issue 
again, uh, if you've read my book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion, you know, one of the chapters is the order of God. And I show in God's economy, his order is important to him. So when I was dealing with the church and the pro-life movement, I was trying to bring corrections because so much of the pro-life movement in the church wants to lead with mercy ministries. Well, mercy was never intended to leave, lead. Mercy was intended to follow, right? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our life. So the pro-life movement in the church leads with mercy ministries, you know, CPCs, and what they're not leading with is what God has called for, and that is justice, right? He has showed you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? First, do justly, then love mercy, and then walk humbly with thy God. And of course, if you're doing justice and you're loving mercy, that's an indication you're actually humbling yourself before Almighty God. And I even, you know, shared on the order of God when it comes to the abolitionist movement. You know, first, we're Christians. Secondarily, we're churchmen. And abolition, it, it doesn't define who we are. It defines how biblically we are responding to the Holocaust. And abolition is the most biblically consistent response to the Holocaust. So we got to know who we are in Christ, our commitment to work in and through his church to abolish abortion. So again, the order of God. And we see this in First. Peter chapter 2. So I'm going to read the scriptures and we're going to unpack these things, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, we're going to start in, let's say, verse 18. No, let's go um, verse 19. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Now, again, he's, he's making this distinction between suffering as a consequence of our sin and being maybe sometimes a Christian jerk, right? And then suffering wrongfully. And he goes on to say, for what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now watch this. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. Now again, brothers and sisters, I mean, you know, most of us, you know, we're human. Uh, we don't like to suffer. We recoil from pain. We'd rather not experience that. You know, we'd rather be in health and and, uh, you know, and prosper and, you know, things of this nature. But we do live in a fallen world, right? Um, suffering is just a part of life. And it's something um, that in this case, 
God is saying we're called to this. All right. So again, there's there's this suffering for our faults, and then there's redemptive suffering. And it's so interesting, uh, even in today, you know, we'll highlight, you know, that the martyrdom of the saints, the blood of the saints is the seed of the church, you know, that we know in times past, you know, that the persecution of the church, uh, them, you know, Christians being beaten up, thrown in jail and martyred. Uh, we always say that's how, you know, the more the church was crushed, how the church has grown. Uh, but boy, we, we are lacking that understanding today uh, when it comes to redemptive suffering. And yet the Bible says we're called to this. Why? Because Christ also suffered. You know, like the Lord knew what was coming for his church. He knew the powers of darkness that were arrayed against him, both spiritual and human. All right. And he knew once he was crucified and raised from the dead, he knew those forces of darkness was coming for his people. And that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, right? To be his witnesses, to give us the dunamis, the power of God to be his witnesses in the earth. You know, starting in Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. Well, uh, what, what does witness mean in that context? Well, it means martyr. In other words, church, in other words, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, if the choice comes down between you and your stuff, uh, God's power, his grace, his Holy Spirit uh, will convince you to choose your faith, right? Uh, the same thing is true between your freedom in jail. Um, if, if uh, you know, we're put in a position, we must obey God rather than men, and that winds us up in jail, well, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to choose our faith rather than our freedom, right? And the same thing is true, God forbid, if we got to give our last ounce of devotion to the cause of Christ. If we have to choose between our life and our faith, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to choose our faith, okay? Um, and so we must understand these truths. It was true with the fledgling church as they face the battle and it's true for us today and so god gave us this example now watch this who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth now brothers and sisters you and i can't say that right so when the enemy comes for the lord right um you know through you know through the jews and the gentiles conspiring to murder him right um when the enemy came for him, Jesus said there was no resting place for him. There was no place for him to rest in Christ. Well, see, you and I can't say that. We're not the sinless, perfect lamb of God. Uh, we, we are, you know, we're a mixed bag, right? You know, the human condition is, you know, the things I know I shouldn't do, I keep doing, and the things I know I should do, I don't do. You know, who's going to deliver me from this wretched state? Well, thanks be to God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? A lot of us love God with all our heart. We mean well, but we find something else working in our members, right? And unfortunately, a lot of time we do give place to the evil one. When the Bible says don't do it, give him no place, right? 
and, and, and that we are to be aware of his devices and his schemes because he's going around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we're not to give him place, but we are vulnerable sometimes. It's just being human, and we got to fight that battle from within. So now watch this. In verse 23, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now, it's so interesting, brothers and sisters, because we know, you know, the truth is in Jesus. And so, you know, truth is not just the concept, right? It's a person. It's like Jesus is the person of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. You know, the Bible is the word of truth. And get this, the church of the living God is supposed to be the ground, right? And the root of truth, right? And so there's this fourfold witness of the truth. And so Jesus is truth personified. And when you go through the gospels, listen, uh, you know, Jesus, he, he wasn't very nuanced, okay? He didn't dance around the issues. Like he boldly declared the truth and he just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Uh, in fact, when, when you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, like a lot of times he went out of his way uh, to pick a fight. And, and the issue was over truth, right? And we got to remember, truth is the only liberating force that God has granted to men uh, that when we come to know it, has the power to set us free. And Jesus is the person of truth. He boldly declared it. You know, he was like that mirror, right, that came down from heaven. And, and Jesus made it plain. If he had not come, um, you know, the cloak of sin would still be in place, right? We could justify, you know, our sins, our rebellion, right, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But when he came, he removed that cloak of sin, and now we're exposed, right? Because this mirror, we're looking at the mirror and we're seeing ourselves, you know, he is the standard of truth and we have fallen short of his glory, right? And so instead of humbling ourselves, right, bowing before him, right, admitting, you know, that his light is shining in the darkness, but the darkness doesn't want to be exposed, right? The darkness doesn't want to find out that the way we live is not honoring to God, right? So what does darkness do? It attacks, right? It fights bad because once light comes, there's two responses to it. We're either going to harden our heart and double down in our rebellion against God and become very angry and attack those who bring us the truth and love, or we're going to break. We're going to humble ourselves, right? We're going to repent. We're going to acknowledge the truth, and it's the truth that sets us free, okay? So, you know, here's Jesus. He's unapologetically bringing the truth of the gospel of the kingdom to bear in the earth. And let's face it, most of the people did not like it, right? Uh, they were offended by it. They were appalled by it. And so what did they do? They conspire to murder 
the Lord of glory. All right, so here's Jesus unapologetically bringing the truth. And where does this lead? Well, it leads to a cruel cross. You talk about persecution. You talk about trial and tribulation. Uh, you, you, you talk about, you know, living for God and the, the adversity that comes into your life. Like Jesus um, was the ultimate example of that reality. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. You know, while he is hanging, you know, on that cross and he is suffering intensely, right? Uh, something interesting happens. You know, there's a few things that the Lord states while he is hanging on that cross. And one of the most powerful is he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Are you kidding me? I mean, here, here the Lord is obviously enduring excruciating physical and mental torment and pain. But there was also a, a spiritual pain that we also must understand uh, because Heavenly Father um, cannot look upon sin, right? Um, it, 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 it's detestable to him. And we got to remember when Christ was on the cross, the scripture says he became sin. I mean, think about this. The Lord of glory, the sinless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world became sin, right? And so there's this, there's this aspect on the cross where the relationship between the father and the son takes a painful turn, okay? And, and this is to some degree, why the Lord said, if there's any other way, Father, you know, take away this cup, but nevertheless, your will be done. And so this was going to have an impact upon the Trinity itself, and it was going to be very painful, okay? And the Lord is enduring this on the cross, and as he's going through this, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And right after that, he yields his spirit. He dies. Now, in Matthew chapter 27, it kind of points out what happened when Christ, you know, who says it is finished, it is done, when he makes this incredible payment for the sins of the world, right? When he is dying in the place of his people, right? And during all this pain, and he says, Father, forgive them. What happens in the earth? Well, Matthew 27 records this. This is in verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked. And the rocks were split, listen, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holiest city and appeared to many. Brothers and sisters, did you get that? That is powerful. That is awesome. Are you kidding me? 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Uh, it is finished. It is done. The payment has been paid. And what is the consequence? What happens in the earth as God's love and forgiveness is unleashed into this fallen world? This is the fruit of it? The temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now all have access to the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus Christ. The earth quaked. Rocks were split. I mean, people are being raised from the dead and appearing to many. Whoa, this is powerful, powerful stuff as God is crucified and raised from the dead. Okay, so I want you to get the order here, brothers and sisters, because I got to tell you, a lot of times the church gets this wrong. And, you know, I've said this in time past, and I'll continue to say it because it's true. You know, the church is handing out God's goodies, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace to a people that do not understand the depth of their depravity, their sin, their rebellion, their haughtiness towards God. In other words, they really have not been convicted by the truth, okay? And the truth, you know, it confronts us. It deals with us. It wrestles with our sinful hearts, and, and, it, and, it, and it confronts our pride and our rebellion, right? And, it, it, you know... It's unyielding. It's relentless, right? And again, when it comes to truth, we, we, we respond one of two ways. We either, you know, want to stay in our darkness so our evil is not exposed, or we humble ourselves. We break. We repent, right? Um, it's so critically important. But what I want you to see in the life of Christ, and it also has to be in our life, when we speak the truth in love, there will be a consequence. Again, either people will break and repent and come to Christ, or they'll attack us. They'll persecute us. They'll, they'll, they'll try to hurt us. You know, I was just at the uh, Gay Pride Parade in Melbourne, uh, Florida. You know, we just moved here, went out there and unfurled the flag, Jesus is King, and oh my gosh, did the crap hit the fan. It was on, brothers and sisters. And one of the first things that happened when I started preaching the gospel of the kingdom, I was assaulted, right? This crazy man came along, punched me, knocked the uh, microphone out of my hand, shattered the microphone, okay? And uh, like, what do you do? What do you do when that happens? Well, what was the example of Christ, right? What was the example of Stephen? The first martyr. Now, he did not hold back the truth. I mean, he gave them a whole history lesson of, of Israel and the relationship to God through the Old Testament. He just went through it all. And right at the end, when they begin to gnash on him, he just said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. God sends you to prophets and you destroy them. And man, that was it. He did tell them the truth. But boy, their reaction was kill him. All right. But the scripture says while he's being stoned, he has like this face of the angel. Right. And it's amazing. And he, he looks up and he sees Jesus standing. Right. And that's the only time in the New Testament after Christ 
you know, brings his blood to the mercy seat of God in heaven, and he is seated, waiting henceforth till all his enemies become his footstool, right? That's what the Bible teaches, right? It's the only instance in the New Testament he is standing. And why? Because he is standing for his child, his son, who has stood for him in the earth against hostile adversaries. But how does Stephen respond? In the same way as his Lord and Savior. Do not hold this charge against them. In other words, he's calling for God to love and forgive his adversaries that are murdering him. Now, obviously, brothers and sisters, that, that takes some doing, right? You, I mean, you seriously got to have the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, right? You, you, you got to be walking in the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to reach that conclusion. Because there's real stones, right? These are real stones, not pebbles, like crushing stones mangling your body. And what comes out of you during that time? Father, forgive them. You know, but this is the example that Christ has left for us in his church. It is the order. Boldly stand for the truth. Don't compromise it. Don't dilute it. Boldly declare the truth. Now, if you do that, most likely this world is going to attack you. They're going to slander you, right? They're going to misrepresent you. They're going to lie about you. They may physically try to attack you. And yes, there are some that wears a martyr crown. They may even kill you. But how do we respond to that? Do we respond by, you know, uh, you know, reviling those who revile us, threaten those who threaten us? Or do we follow the Lord's example and commit ourselves to our Heavenly Father who judges righteously? This is so critically important. If we're going to be successful, brothers and sisters, in breaking the powers of darkness and setting the captives free, this order is really important. And so what's the lesson? We boldly stand for the truth. We don't compromise the truth. We don't dilute the truth. We boldly stand for the truth and we declare it. You know, and let the chips fall where they may. Well, most likely we're going to be attacked for doing it. We're going to be hated for doing it. Just like our Lord, just like Stephen, just like all the saints and martyrs before us, right? But how do we respond? Do we get all mad? Do we pout? Do we whine, right? Do we say, oh, God must not love me anymore? You know, whatever the case may be. No, that's the time we do what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless them that curse you. Is that difficult? It can be, especially when you're hurting. But this is what we're called to do as Christians. And this is what breaks the powers of darkness and sets the captives free. This is what, un this is what was unleashed when, when Jesus was crucified and he was raised. The power of God, the love and forgiveness came into this dark world. And boy, you talk about shaking things up. My goodness, man. You know, temples being torn, the curtain, rocks being split, the earth quaking, people coming out of their graves. This is powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And this is the order, brothers and sisters. I, I could I'm just going to give you just two incidences that just kind of bring out this truth in my own life. Uh, once was in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. We were 
We were doing a rescue in White Settlement, uh, Texas. And we had the saints all out there. Flip and I was leading the charge. And we, we called for a rescue that day. And we got there early. And so the abortionists hadn't showed up yet. So we didn't go on the property. We decided to go on the property and rescue once the abortionists got there. Well, anyway, we're, you know, we're preaching and ministering and, you know, the cops are out there. And there was this one particular police officer. He was honestly, he was like a football player, you know, jacked to the max. He's probably like six, five, six, six, you know, probably about 280, 300 pounds and like all muscle. Right. And for whatever reason, he is focused on me. He's like eyeballing me, staring me down. And I'm like, hey, I'm not the only guy out here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why are you staring at me? Like, you know, but he, uh, something. He just, whatever reason, he he had it out for me, right? And, and he kept looking at me. And this is like in the heat of summer in Texas. And he had black gloves on. And he's literally like pounding his fist together, staring me down. So, you know, obviously little intimidating right i'm like okay um but here's the deal so um the abortionist comes and when he does we run on the property to get to the door you know to live out the doctrine of interposition you know to place our bodies between the victim the pre-born child and those intending on murdering them right and so i run on the property and this police officer runs after me and he just picks me up as high as he could and just slams me on the ground, busts my head, my elbows, you know, like there was blood everywhere, you know, and he turns me over, puts his knee on my neck. And that's the picture that goes in the front page of the news where I'm literally snorting, snot, you know, rocks and dust while his huge knee was on my neck. And then he put on the flesh cups the flex cuffs, those plastic deals. And when he did it with all his might, he jerked the flex cuffs and immediately my hands turn blue. It cuts off the circulation. And so the women behind it see it. They're screaming, his hands, his hands, right? And the media's there and I, I get up on my knees and I'm trying to crawl to the door <laughs> while the media is trying to interview me and I'm all busted up, man. I, I can't feel my hands. They've gone numb, right? And and I, I still get to the door while they're trying to interview me. It was like weird in so many cases, right? So, but anyway, the, the ladies ran to the superior officer and said, look what you're, you know, your police officer did to this man. And so they call me over and they literally had to cut my wrists to get under the skin to cut off these flex cuffs. And of course, this police officer is severely reprimanded by his superiors, okay? And so even to this day, brothers and sisters, uh, I've lost the feeling, well, for the first six months, I lost feeling in both hands, but I've been per, you know, permanently disabled in one of my hands. So this, this has kind of lasted you know, throughout my life. But the point being, brothers and sisters, because this guy came under a reprimand, he was very 
apologetic to me like probably about six or seven times before they arrested me he came to me and um, he humbled himself now probably a lot was he, he could be facing you know some some serious you know penalties for what he did but the fact of the matter is brothers and sisters this gave me an opportunity to love him and to forgive him and to minister the gospel to him now when we were preaching out there his heart was hard and he definitely had it out for me okay but when he was humbled his heart was soft now i don't know if he came to faith in Christ or not I just know his heart was in a much different condition and that the Word of God was starting to penetrate him which was awesome and just another quick story this was in Florida and we were doing a rescue I, up to that point I had led like nine rescues and we were kind of tearing it up I mean we were turning Tampa Bay on its ear it was so powerful um, but what happened is the price tag was going up. I was facing like two years in jail, so it was harder to get people to rescue. And so at one point, we called for a rescue, and we only had maybe 16 people. So we decided to do the bike locks, you know, lock our necks and stuff of this nature. Now, a lot of people, even the rescuers, thought that was radical. Um, but the point being that was all that we had available if we were going to be effective in saying saving the lives of these children and so here we are we're in, we're in a vulnerable position I mean we, we're locked together we can hardly move right and so we do the rescue the pro boards the sodomites show up right and this one sodomite got behind me and just started kicking me right just kept kicking me and there's, there was nothing I could do. I, I, I was just totally vulnerable. And so, man, he's just giving me hell, right? He's just kicking me, laughing at my pain and all this kind of stuff. And then the head pro-abort lady, the head of the feminist groups there in that area, she's walking toward me and, and she's doing, I mean, the guttural thing. She's, she is drawing up mucus and spit right she you know and i'm seeing her, her you know she her eyeball is on me and again i'm totally vulnerable there's nothing i can do right so she walks up and she spits dead in my face like a big honker right hits my face right and i can't even remove it Right, that's how locked up we are. So it's just dripping down my face. And I gotta tell you, brothers and sisters, when when I was attacked uh, doing rescues, because I, you know, in my personal life, because I grew up on the mean streets of Bridgeport, one of the reasons why I hesitated joining the rescue movement was because I knew me. Uh, when I'm afraid or I'm attacked, man, I just attack back, right? And I didn't want to dishonor the Lord. All right, by my behavior, okay? Uh, but the Lord convinced me to do it anyways. And I got to tell you, every time I was attacked and bloodied or beaten or spit on, you know, in the cause of Christ, instead of feeling like hatred or re revenge, you know, towards my adversaries, I was just enveloped in the love of God. I had this incredible sense 
of love for my enemies. And I just looked her in the eye and I said, sweetie, I love you and the Lord loves you and I forgive you, right? Well, when I did that, that sodomite that was kicking me and kicking me and kicking me, he calls me sir. Up to that point, he was cussing me out and, and showing vulgarity and stuff like that and all the perversion and stuff like that, just showering it on me while he's kicking me, right? So he, you know, he's, he's my tormentor, right? But as soon as he sees how I respond to this lady spitting in my face, the Lord softened his heart towards me. And he said, sir, I saw what that lady did. And if you need me to testify, I'll testify for you. And right after that, he quit kicking me and he left the group. Now, again, I don't know if he came to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I just know is we boldly stood for the truth. We were persecuted for it. And when we responded with love and forgiveness, the powers of darkness was broken and the captives are set free. So brothers and sisters, I pray that uh, this, this episode uh, is a blessing to you as an individual, as a family, as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do pray you take these lessons to heart Okay, because we need to be effectual when we're serving Christ and advancing his kingdom in the earth. And we are engaged in a battle. And it's important how we fight this. Okay, we, 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 we're not going to win this battle through the arm of the flesh. We're going to win it by following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the martyrs and the reformers who have gone before us. So again, I pray this was a blessing to you and you keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints.